I told you I see spring flowers in my yard starting to pop up. Are they blooming? Oh, no. They're just tiny little green nuggets of spring. I remember at my last parish, I had some uh, spring flowers, you know, with the little bulbs planted right next to the church. And the church was a large church with sandstone and the sun would shine on it. Uh So it warmed up the flower bed right next to it. And I had those little white ones that are called snowdrops blooming on February 17th one year. Really? February 17th. That's very early. I know. I also learned this year from some great parishioners that your grass can get snow mold. Yes. When you have heavy snow, compacted snow on top of the grass. Because when it all melted, my grass did not look great. But with a little raking, I think it came back nicely. And uh, I can't wait for it to green up. Okay, are you going to introduce who you are that's talking about your grass? Welcome to the Scott. This is Mr. Green. Welcome to the Scott's Turf Podcast. Hey, everybody. Uh, Michael here with Father Herb. Hello, Father Herb here with Michael. St. John the 23rd, 23 podcast, not a landscaping podcast. And what number podcast? We are on number 190. We've sat down 190 times to talk for 23 minutes. You and I have talked to each other for 190 (laughs) times 23 minutes? Isn't that... I mean, we're 10 away from 200. I know. Our you think, we'll, you think we'll make it? I mean, I, I hope so. Okay. God ha- God knows. Only God knows. God knows. All right. So here we are. Right before we started, I was pulling up the readings for this weekend. And I, and I know we say this every year, but I really meant it with even more enthusiasm. Is it really the fourth Sunday of Lent already? Is it really? It is really. That's, and the fourth Sunday of Lent is Laetare Sunday. Rejoice. I, I shall rejoice. Yes, you, you didn't say that in a rejoicing way. <laughs> no, I was thinking um, a lot of people are asking because we, we did a little tease at Mass last week. And it, to be clear, let's just, let's just say it for what it is. It wasn't a tease for the sake of a tease. Here's the thing. We have not confirmed the times. Right. And the reason we have not well, confirmed... Well, we, we should probably tell them what we're talking about. Okay, we're talking about... Uh, Adding an additional Sunday morning Mass. We presently have a Mass at 9 o'clock, and we have a Mass at 11 o'clock. And actually, it was very apparent last weekend, even the 9 o'clock was starting to get much The 11 has been big for several weeks, but the 9 o'clock, in both cases, we were, you could call it SRO, standing room only, but we have chairs set up. You have to call it COVID SRO. Yeah, uh, because space is limited. So we really can't pack too many more people in. No. What we're doing then is we're going to add a third Sunday morning Mass. We will keep the Saturday Mass at 5. We're going to have three Masses on Sunday. We did not announce the times, and that was the tease. I said, come back again next week and find out. And the reason for... A good cliffhanger. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. The reason (laughs) was because I had promised that this is being reviewed by the Pastoral Council, which is not going to meet till Thursday night. Sure. We're recording this on Tuesday. So I I really am not publishing anything before. On the other hand, it's going to be fun on Sunday morning when I get to stand up and say, "Ah, the drum roll, please. And then I'm going to announce the times. And the winners are... It's not a lottery. The truth is, nobody's going to be happy. Uh, (laughs) Actually, that's not true. But... I'll be happy. I, I promise you I'll be I, happy. I can tell you we're not going to have a Mass at 9 and we're not going to have a Mass at 11. Sure. And and 
like I said, I wanted to be clear that we're not teasing for the sake of teasing. We're just trying to be as thorough as we can and yeah. get the word out early so that people can. It's going to start on Palm coming. Sunday, which is still, a, well, it'll only be two more weeks after this Sunday. Right. The other great thing that's happening this Sunday, are you aware of it? Be sure to change your clocks. Yes, we're losing an hour of sleep this weekend. It's cold. But gaining that beautiful hour of daylight in the evening. Yes. However, I've been lamenting this week. I'm really enjoying the morning sun at 7, and now we're not going to have that till 8. I got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. I'd re- I, okay, so here, are you? do you like morning light better or evening light better? If you had to choose between the two. I would have to say right now, the way my schedule is working, I like the evening more because I like to get home from the office and maybe go out for a little walk sure. before I fix dinner. See, I'm the opposite. Surprise, surprise. I like the morning light better. Well, I do at certain times of the year, yeah. but right now. Well, but, now you're just being wishy-washy. I know, I am. <laughs> they, they don't call me wishy-washy Weber for nothing. <laughs> oh, there's oh, a t-shirt. Okay. Now, we are on this fourth Sunday of Lent cycle B. Yep. And we've got... We've got some very interesting readings. We've got a gospel passage that is extremely well-known, and we've got a first reading that is extremely not well-known. It's from Chronicles. But it's a wonderful passage. It's basically the whole story of the Babylonian captivity. It's kind of like told really quickly. You know, uh, Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. The Babylonians took us into foreign lands. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, King Cyrus of Persia came, they conquered the Babylonians and brought us back and rebuilt the temple. <gasps> it's all in one passage, but it's really a wonderful story of resurrection. I have found it to be very attractive Yeah, because modern day Babylon mm-hmm. is Iraq. And the Pope was just in Iraq. He just got back. Actually. He just got back yeah. Sunday evening. But when he, when he had the closing mass on Sunday, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but the, I didn't. the stage was kind of built up for him to have mass. Mm-hmm. And you can see the rubble of all the destruction of the wars all around. Wow. And he preached on resurrection. Uh, I, I have to get a copy of his homily. Maybe I'll just read it in Italian, as he did, uh, for Easter this year. Uh, you could probably find the English translation. <laughs> I think they would at least do that for you. You, you don't trust my Italian. <laughs> the only Italian I know are musical terms, like... Allegro. <laughs> and pizza. And pi- that's not a musical term, but I wish it was. <laughs> All right. Let's, but let's read the gospel because the gospel is so well known. And that's the warning I'm giving people. It's so well known that you're not going to hear it. Listen as if you've never heard it before. And I'm going to let Michael do the first part. And I would do the second part. And the reason I often break this like this is because... He always likes to one-up me. I, actually, I'm letting you do the 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 part that people know and love i want to do the the more challenging part oh. that people don't know well then he's you're that's just kind of i was come in and the verdict and this is the verdict that's where i will that's come that's where in. you're going to enter so here's michael a reading from the holy gospel according to john jesus said to nicodemus just as moses lifted up the serpent in the desert so must the son of man be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned. 
But whoever does not believe has already been condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the verdict, that the light came into the world. But people preferred darkness to light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come toward the light so that his works might not be exposed. But whoever lives the truth comes to the light so that his works may be clearly seen as done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. This passage... Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Michael. (laughs) I was ready to go. This passage, John 3.16 has come up quite a bit in the liturgical cycle over the last year or two. It's not the first time we've had this at a Sunday Mass. Probably true, but we do have it every third year, and time flies so fast it might seem like a year or two. Yeah. But let me give the background for this. A lot of people know the line. You hear about it, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Beautiful. It's a summary of the whole gospel. It's very powerful. But most people don't know the setting. Mm -hmm. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. This is chapter 3 of John's Gospel. It is right on the heels of the passage we had last week of Jesus cleansing the temple Mm. in John's Gospel. And as we said last week, Jesus cleanses the temple in John's Gospel early, early in the Gospel, whereas the image of cleansing the temple comes very late in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, especially in Matthew's, the one that we usually think of. Sure. But here it is, Jesus has Nicodemus come to him at night. Now, I should, shouldn't have said it that way. Jesus did not orchestrate it. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Mm-hmm. And who is Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a leader of the people and a Pharisee. Now, that would almost put him in the group of people that oppose Jesus. Mm-hmm. And yet he was intrigued with Jesus and he wanted to know more. Probably a little fearful, however, to show what he was feeling and thinking. So he came at night. Hmm. And remember, nights were dark in those days. Coming at night uh, really meant undercover. They needed to spring forward. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) they needed daylight saving time. But he came at night and that's the conversation where Jesus basically says, Nicodemus, if you want to be saved, you have to be born again. And born again, where, what does that mean? Do I have to ent- enter my mother's womb and come out as again? I'm a, a grown man. Sure. Born again is a phrase that Christians are regularly used to hearing or, or, or right. uh, saying. But this was, yeah, this was not something that they would have known in the time of Jesus. Sure. So he's introducing that concept. And then it's the reference to the Old Testament you know, when, when the Israelites were out in the desert and they were bit by the serpents, Moses put up a, a, a serpent on a pole, and if they looked at it, they were saved. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, just as Moses lift up, lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It's really kind of an image of, resur- uh, of the crucifixion. Sure. So you will be saved by one like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jesus, the Son of Man, will be lifted up. And then he goes in because that God sent the, his Son because he so loved the world. That's the phrase. He so loved the world. It was not like, 
well, I'll save you if you can prove that you're worthy to be saved. Yeah. It's none of that stuff. He so loved the world that he sent his son. So that's the whole setting. It's done at night. And I can only keep emphasizing this whole conversation is at night. They might have had a few little lamps burning, yeah. but the conversation was basically done in the dark. Isn't that when some of our best conversations happen? Think about, if I think back over the course of my life, either in high school, college, young adult years, uh, into family life, some of the best conversations happen in the dark. Maybe not literal pitch black. Well, in night is at night is often a time to be reflective. Sure. I was actually just reading today the chapter. In the night? In the dark? Uh, well, the sun was coming up, so it started okay. dark, and then it was getting light. But I was reading um, Father James Martin's chapter on the examine in his new book, Learning to Pray, just talking about you know, at the end of the day is a good time to be reflective and to think back through your day in God's presence throughout the day. Um, but as back to, you know, thinking about, you know, conversations with friends, just the other day, I, um, had a great conversation with a friend late into the night and, you know, we're talking about things that matter in our lives, things that are uh, important to us, not superficial stuff. And so I can I can almost see you know these two men sitting there having yeah. this in depth conversation. And, and Nicodemus was uh, probably an older man. He was well respected, but he was a searcher. Mm -hmm. um, but that's when the last part of the passage, the part that I read, makes more sense because if they are in the darkness, and then Jesus said, "This is the verdict that the light came into the world." Now again, this is John's Gospel, chapter three. So it's a a reference to chapter one, the prologue. The word became flesh. Uh, well, the light came into the world. Yeah. And the, the light became flesh. So, but people preferred darkness to light because their works were evil. So he's basically saying it's dark. Jesus is the light. And yet people prefer the darkness because they don't want to be seen in the light. Um, so the light and darkness image is very powerful. Mm -hmm. And of course, we do know, we know that there's a lot more crime in darkness than in light. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I lived in Mansfield, uh, I had a wedding rehearsal dinner that I went to. I was at St. Peter's, which it was in downtown. Mm -hmm. But the rehearsal dinner was on the extreme edge of town. It was actually probably at a country club or something. But the the father of the bride or the groom was a police officer. And he said, when you go home after the rehearsal dinner, I want you to take this route instead of the most direct route. And I said, why? I drive that all the time. He said, you drive it in the daylight. Hmm. It's different at night. The direct route is not very safe at night. Now, I still think he was kind of overdoing it, but but that was then. <laughs> so you rebelled and took the No, I, I followed his instructions. Oh, He's a job. police officer, but he said you would not believe what this town is like at night, how things can change in the darkness. That reminds me of when we were in Guatemala in San Lucas, and really the only instructions we had in terms of safety were do not go down to the lake. Down by the lake at, at night. night. And I thought, okay, I can follow those directions. Which is funny because during the day, it was a beautiful sight. Water, beautiful blue water, people uh, washing their clothes in the lake. You could walk near it. It was wonderful. Did you wash your clothes in the lake? I did. I know. We, one time I was down there, one of the members of our parish who was with our group 
she took her laundry one day down to where the, the local women were doing their laundry in the lake. Yeah. She went down. They have kind of a washboard, but it's underwater. You can hardly see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go, you wade into the water a little ways, and then you take your laundry, and they would have some very simple soap. It was like a, a cake of soap of some sort. Yeah. And they'd rub it on, but there was like a washboard beneath the water. So she took her laundry down there, and the local women showed her how to do her laundry in the lake. Really? That's I thought, great. I, I thought that was wonderful. The the original Maytag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think, too, about uh, parenting. You know, if you have a sick child, boy, does it seem forever at night when your child is sick. But during you the day... You long for the light. Yeah, it doesn't seem that bad. So, Even, so, so this is the contradiction. You just talked about how at night you can have these deep, probing conversations. You can be most even in tune with prayer. I like to pray at night yeah. before I go to bed. Even but sitting, all, we've talked before, sitting in the church in the dark. Is yeah, wonderful. I often do that. Yeah. So, but it's it's but this is the other the other side of the the issue of light and dark. That dark is a sign of not letting the light shine through. Except here's the interesting thing: it's only in the darkness that you can appreciate the light. Sure. So uh, again, if Jesus says the light came in the darkness to Nicodemus, he's basically saying, "I will be a light for you." Uh, you are searching, and I will be the one that you need to follow. Now, we know that Nicodemus, in fact, did accept Jesus because he's, he's, he shows up again at the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus. So he makes a comeback. Well, that he basically remained a disciple and in some form. He was born again. So this is where we're at on this passage. I don't, I don't want to exclude the, the beautiful line that people know, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I don't want people to uh, think I'm overlooking that, but I'm trying to give a bigger picture so that we don't just get caught on one line. I think that's great because, yes, you know, we don't want to um, just pick and choose one line or two from, from Scripture without knowing the context of everything else that surrounds it. Yeah. Because that's important. And I have a... Go ahead. I have please. a question. Uh, and it could just be the way that it's been printed here in the copy that I'm looking at. But right at the beginning when we open that part that I read, you know, Jesus saying, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, that is that sentence is in quotation marks. But then when we go into the next paragraph, the part that we know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that's no longer quoted. So I would I would have assumed there that that's John speaking, not necess- as the writer, not necessarily yes. quoting Jesus. The answer is yes. Oh, that is, okay. Yeah, you assumed correctly. Remember John's gospel, there's, there are long passages which are sort of almost like meditative. They could be Jesus' own words or meditation of what Jesus was saying, mm-hmm. maybe a summary statement almost. So it, maybe that's a, an interesting insight, especially when you're only hearing it at Mass and you're not following along in the, the printed text you don't necessarily know where a quoted sentence ends and where an unquoted sentence Well, I, th- I think what's going to happen is people are going to hear that very first line, uh, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and think, oh, okay, so this is about the whole image of redemption. Mm-hmm. And then it jumps to the passage, they already know that God so loved the world. Well, it's it's not an either or, it's both and. Mm-hmm. It is about redemption, 
And here's the thing to remember. God so loved the world that the redemption took place, redemption of sinners. Jesus is the light. He's the serpent lifted up. I don't like to say serpent because that sounds bad, but he is the one <laughs> like us lifted up on the pole. He is the crucified one, and through him comes salvation. Mm-hmm. But that is the sign and the indication of God so loved the world. I don't think we grasp the depth of God's love. I think we all say, oh, yeah, God loves us. I bet your little kids know God loves you. If I said to Audrey or Emery, does God love you? Oh, yeah, God loves us. Because how do, we, how do I know? Because mom and dad told us that. Sure. But how do we ever come to grasp the power of that love? It's, it's so overwhelming. And plus, plus it's individual, individualized. Mm-hmm. God doesn't just love me because that's God's job. He's got to love all six billion people. God loves me as much as any of the six billion, and God loves you as much as any any of the six billion. You get you don't get one six billionth of God love. You get the total each individual, which is mind boggling. I we can't comprehend that. Which saint is it that said? And I think you've quoted this. Before. It's Teresa of Avila. I don't even know what you're going to say, but it's Teresa. When this I'm not sure, I when I'm not sure, I always say it's Teresa of Avila. That you know, if there was nobody left on Earth, yeah, she actually did say that. Uh, that is a true quote from her. She said, "I if I came to realize that I'm the only person on Earth, I know that God could not love me any more than God loves me now." Mm-hmm. Because she she spent a good hour, I think that was the minimum, probably a couple of hours a day. Uh, in prayer, she was a mystic, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think a whole lot of it was she would look at the crucifix. That was her meditation. She would hold a crucifix and she would look at it. Hey, I know where there's a pretty big crucifix that you can meditate on. Yes, but don't hold it in your hands. <laughs> so maybe that's a good challenge for us this week uh, in prayer to sit and meditate on God's presence, uh, the ways that you've seen God's love at work in your life. That could be a, a nice Lenten reflection. And you can do it at night or early in the morning. But do it in the dark. Amen. All right, guys. Take care. We'll see you this Sunday, fourth Sunday of Lent. Mm-hmm.